You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, we're going to keep clipping along here with a few of these questions just to try to get caught up. Um, I'm not going to answer all of them. For some of these, these are things that I already answered. Uh, a couple of them very recently. Others, I don't know. I don't know the answer to. Like, what fun things are there to do in Green Bay? I don't know. I don't know a single thing about Green Bay. I've been to Orlando, Florida, like twice as many times as I've been to Green Bay, Wisconsin. So I, I have no idea. But with that said, let's start with uh, the Brian Gutekunst fan club on Twitter says, this is way random, but I got to ask long snappers. Why do centers not learn how to do this so we can save a valuable roster spot on the 53? Might be a dumb question, but I've always wanted to know. Fortunately, we just looked at long snappers not too long ago. Um, and yeah, I, I think I led off by saying almost the exact same thing. This is kind of stupid, but we're going to talk about long snappers. Unfortunately, since we did, we have a little bit of insight into that. First of all, um, and again, you said it, not me. Dumb question, dumb answer. They're different positions. Um, I mean, I know that it's similar in terms of they both snap the ball between their legs, but it's different. I mean, you could technically say the same thing about punter and kicker. They both kick the ball. Why can't we just save and have one guy kick and punt? Because it's hard enough to do each or either. Um, I mean, it, it is hard to find a really good long snapper. I, I remember there was a uh, guy in my elementary school that, like in high school, was bragging about how he could hit a ball, you know, 20 yards, whatever. I don't know. He was just talking about how accurate he was long snapping. This is something he'd probably been working on for five, six, seven, eight years to be able to snap a ball 20 yards behind you with force and velocity and spin and hit, you know, a golf ball off a tee or something, you know? If you've ever seen a center. Even even in shotgun, how they snap, it's not the same way. They they kind of just lob it up to the quarterback. It's not shot out of a cannon at them. So the entire process is entirely different. Not saying there doesn't have to be accuracy to it, but it's still a, a very different thing. But then the the other aspect that's entirely different is it's a different human being. A center is going to be like 6'2", 295, and a long snapper is going to be more like I don't know, 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", 225. They're basically tight ends because not only are they different in terms of the snapping is entirely different, it's a completely different job, but what you do after is entirely different. A center has a 340-pound nose tackle trying to push him into next week, and the, the center has to keep him clean. He has to learn how to run block. He has to, uh, you know, there, there's such complexity there. A long snapper is not blocking jack squat. Long snapper has to focus on snapping it, get up, run down the field, and make a tackle. And so when you look at what you want a long snapper to do, 
and what you want a center to do. I don't think there's one human being that makes sense for both of those jobs. So that would be the reason. I've got this little window, you know, those little basement windows that have got the wells outside of them, you know? And there is a creature <laughs> that is digging up there. And um, while I should be wondering, you know, is he doing all right? Is he going to be able to get out or is he going to die in there? He's probably going to die in there. I don't know. Where my head's really at is, what are the odds he's going to somehow get through the window and I'm going to find out in person what the heck this is? I know it's zero, but that doesn't stop me from wondering. Because it is making a lot of noise right behind my head. Anyways, JJ has kind of an open-ended question. Where's your head at with the offense right now? Feels like they struggled too often last year to put up points and pick up first downs. Offensive line was a problem, yes, but not always. We had better pass pro numbers than most teams. Just for some insight into that, the Packers were 10th in points, 7th in first downs, which, you know, I guess it depends on where you're at. Some teams would kill for that. I think it's fair to say with Devontae and an MVP quarterback and everything, that's a little disappointing because it's kind of hard to go up from there, you know. And I guess, like you said, yeah, the offensive line had its problems, but not always. And um, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's the same old answer that I'm going to keep giving to this when you try to look forward. And I, I wish I had better insights into it. But the, the real answer is I think the dynamic of the wide receiver situation is very, very big. And I don't just mean big in terms of negative. It's big in terms of there are so many unanswered questions that are going to answer all our questions, and I don't know what's going to happen. Everything we need to know is going to point in that direction. Even if it's not, you know, you could say, well, no, it's going to be the, the run game is going to make a big difference. Right, but if, it, if the offense changes because we lean more on the run game, it's going to be because Devontae left. You know what I mean? Everything about the ecosystem is about to change because Devontae left and we got a bunch of new wide receivers, and I don't know what that looks like. Maybe we are a team that is much better in terms of our deep threat ability because of the guys that we added. Maybe we spread the ball around and we see a new uh, reemergence of, of Aaron Rodgers and, and a, a, you know, not necessarily a better version, but in some ways better. I, I, I don't know. Maybe we've got a couple guys that are, that are going to be fun to watch. I don't know. Again, it's, it's not just a question of Devontae, and it is a question of Devontae for sure. But I just think there's, it's offensively and defensively. When people ask about what, what do you think about the season going forward, I, there are so many unanswered questions I don't know. But just looking at wide receiver, Devontae Adams leaving is massive, and I don't know what it means. I was thinking about this yesterday because, you know, everybody's, I forget exactly what it was, but I had said that the Packers, um, in terms of, games lost because of Devontae because if you ask the rivals well we're going to go from 13 wins down to you know nine wins because we lost Devontae well according to Vegas and and the stat people they're like well the Packers lost like 0.7 games they're like well that's absurd well we won 13 games last year and if you'll recall not only did we lose Devontae for a stretch but we didn't have David Bakhtiari we didn't have Jair Alexander we didn't have Zadarius Smith like we lost some of the most crucial pieces to our offense by the way um, we also shipped off guys like Corey Lindsley, who was a one of the best centers in all of football. I mean, we lost major pieces. We didn't lose a single game as a result. So I can't just automatically say we lost Devontae, we're doomed. Best left tackle in football, best corner in football, best center in football, gone. One of the best pass rushers in football, gone. How did it impact our 13-win season? It didn't. It sounds stupid to say, if you would have said beforehand, we're going to lose these guys, 
On top of some other guys here and there are going to be out and whatever, you know, Eldon Jenkins and, you know, how many games do you think you're going to win? I'd have sat here and said, I don't know, five? We're, we're screwed. <laughs> we won 13. So, yeah, Devontae leaving is massive, but it's not just that it's massively bad. It's, 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 it throws the team out of orbit, and there's going to be a new orbit, and I don't, I don't exactly know how it goes. How does that change the game planning? How does that change the run-to-pass ratio? How does that change the depth of target and all these different things in the scheme and all that? But then on top of just looking at the Devontae equation and how all that changes, there's the Christian Watson question, and that's a massive question in and of itself. How often does he play? How soon does he play? What role does he play? Is he the number one guy? Is he just a deep threat? Does he not even really play very much? Is he going to be used kind of just like on end around type, jet sweep type stuff? There's the Alan Lazard question, which you wouldn't think is that big of a question because we know Alan Lazard, but if he's going to be the number one guy, what does that mean? Is is Aaron going to treat Lazard kind of like he did Devontae and try to force feed him? Or is he just going to stay the Lazard role and we try to just fill in the gaps with the other guys? There's Randall Cobb, which I think is an underrated piece of this equation. He didn't add much statistically, but he graded out very, very well. One of his best years in many, many years. Second year in the system, second year with Aaron Rodgers. Maybe Aaron tries to lean on him a little bit more. Maybe he has a bigger role than people are expecting. There's the Sammy Watkins equation, which everyone just kind of chuckles because they're like, dude, that dude is trash, but he's also one of the most talented players in the NFL. He just hasn't really shown it very much, except a couple times he has shown it. And maybe it will blossom here, although I don't tend to think that that happens too much with Aaron Rodgers, but it doesn't mean it can't happen because sometimes people come here and then they're really talented. But it doesn't automatically mean that, but it could mean that. Then there's Amari Rodgers, and is he going to take a step? And will he just get more opportunities? And what does this offense look like with Amari getting more opportunities? What kind of a role will he play? There's Romeo Dobbs and Samori Ture and Malik Taylor and Jawan Winfrey. And what kind of roles will they play? And you got the slot and the boundary and the deep threat and the depth and the short and the... I don't know. That doesn't include the tight ends and Robert Tunyon. And is is he coming back? And what kind of shape is he going to be in? And are we going to utilize the tight ends more? Because again, without Devontae, we have an entirely new look at things. And maybe we are going to utilize the tight ends a little bit more because we've got this freak Tyler Davis, quote unquote. And I know the Packers like Dominique Daphne, and I'm still not ruling out Josiah DeGuara in terms of his ability to contribute. And Mercedes is still on the team. And we know Rodgers loves Tunyon. So we got a big pile of tight ends. Why not utilize them? Then, of course, the running backs. Not only a question of who's going to make the roster. Yeah, I like Patrick Taylor. I like Kylan Hill. There's also Tyler Goodson and B.J. Baylor to take into consideration on top of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, who we know are going to be the number one and number two. But are we going to run the ball more, and how are we going to utilize them in the passing game? So I don't mean to just skirt around the question, but that's th- that's where my mind goes. And this doesn't even factor in the offensive line and who's playing along the offensive line and is that going to be improved or is it possibly going to get worse or in what ways and how and who and you know what if they run block better because there's more of that cohesion and what does that do to the offense or if they pass block better or if they pass block worse or I don't I don't know every single I mean there's the whole butterfly effect thing right you change one minor thing in a minor way it alters everything and we've got 55 different things to look at that can be positive or negative and maybe not even from a positive or negative, just different. And how does that change things? 
And really, it's the same with the defense. So I think generally my mind goes to the negative for the offense, which, again, isn't great because, as you more or less pointed out, we were 10th in points on offense, which when you have the number one quarterback and the number one wide receiver and a competent offensive line and one of the best running back duos in football and you come up with 10th, I mean, 13 wins is great, but 10th? Like top third? <laughs> I mean, there's only 30-ish teams, right? There's 32 teams. 10th is not like, ooh, top 10. That's amazing. It's not out of 100. It's out of 32. 10th in points on offense, 13th in points on defense. I mean, 13 wins, again, is great, but that's a relatively mediocre performance offensively and defensively. I mean, if we're talking Super Bowl caliber, you're kind of wanting maybe closer to top five in both categories. We weren't even top 10 in both categories. We were almost not even top 10 in either category. So yeah, I, 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 I know that it needs to be better. And again, most people are going to look at it and go, well, it's not going to because you lost Devontae. But I said months ago, prior to the draft, it's entirely possible for the offense to get better. Not necessarily the wide receivers, the offense as a unit to improve, to be more efficient without Devontae. It is possible. And that's up to Matt LaFleur to figure out how to make it possible, how to make it a thing and to execute that. But again, there's just so many unbelievable questions just on the offensive side that I, I don't even know where to begin. I know it can be better. I know it needs to be better. That's a Matt LaFleur thing. Same with the defense, you know, I, and I've said this kind of before. Um, they should be better because on paper they are better and they're healthier, obviously, at least for now. I mean, obviously, we were healthy last year until we weren't healthy. So we'll see if we're healthy by the time the season starts or midseason or whatever. But, you know, Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, Rashawn and Preston, Quay and Campbell, Stokes, Razul, Alexander, Savage and Amos. I mean, assuming zero injuries, I'm excited about that. You know, and the, the, the defensive tackles with adding Jerron Reed and uh, TJ Slayton. The depth maybe isn't the best, including at defensive tackle. I know everyone is really excited about TJ Slayton and Jerron Reed. I don't know if I am so much. We'll see how it goes when they when they start playing. Edge rusher, I think we unanimously know, is is a problem. And the bigger issue with edge is I don't know what we're going to get from Preston. He was great last year, but it was also like his best year, and the odds of duplicating or improving upon a best year ever, very low. But who knows? Maybe maybe he gets something from Kingsley. I don't know. But I, I hate to be in this spot as a Packers podcaster, and when people say, what do you think is going to happen this year? Go, I, I have no idea. I mean, there, there's a, a spectrum that makes sense. I mean, there's a certain lower end, you know, sub 10 wins. I'm very, you know, if you told me we won less than 10 games, I'd, I'd have to sit back and go, first of all, how many less? Because if you're talking way less then I know Aaron Rodgers got hurt. I mean, there's no other explanation. If you tell me we won nine, my first question is, did we lose him for half the season or a couple games or what? If the answer to that is no, then I don't, I don't know what went wrong. Other than we just could not make this offense go and the defense wasn't nearly as good as we thought, which is a possibility. The offense took a big step back. You know, they were 20th because Rodgers wasn't MVP and we didn't have the wide receiver situation figured out. And the offensive line took a step back and the defense, you know, it just it was not nearly, like I said, as good as we thought. But generally speaking, I don't see less than 10 wins. And I also don't really see us beating out 13 wins, so I guess it is a pretty small window of 10 to 13. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just making stuff up at that point when I start guessing, because I don't know. 
Next up on the tweeters, 1265 Lombardi Avenue says, uh, when I was soliciting questions, he says, just a shout out for my lost homie, Zach Alday would be awesome. I'm sorry I missed this yesterday for Memorial Day, but I'm happy to do it today. He sent me a link to uh, honor the fallen at militarytimes.com. Navy hospitalman Zach M. Alday died June 9th, 2006, serving during Iraqi uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom. 22 years old of Donaldsville, Georgia, assigned to 1st Battalion, 7th Marines, 7th Regimental Combat Team, 1st Marine Expeditionary Force, Camp Pendleton, California. Died June 9th of injuries sustained earlier in the day when the vehicle in which he was riding struck a landmine during combat operations in Came, Iraq. You know, around, around that time, 2006, I was working at the airport doing baggage. Um, and that was right, I mean, that was at this time. It was, you know, Iraqi freedom and all that. And um, I remember when troops came home and they'd have the, the big black SUVs would roll out and they'd bring the families out to the airport and um, servicemen. And, uh, you know, I was only part-time, but the full-timers would, you know, they'd put the flags on. And, you know, there were, there were times when there would be, several of them would be coming home. And that was a pretty eye-opening thing, you know, because, I mean, this was relatively new. You know, 2000, uh, September 11th was 2001, but we didn't really start the, uh, the war until a couple years later. So this was only two, three years in. And so to get a, a close-up look, to be sort of face-to-face was, was eye-opening. And, and, you know, they were all my age. I was just fresh out of high school, more or less. But anyways, thank you to Navy Hospitalman Zach Alday. Since it feels inappropriate to transition, we're going to take a break. Please don't forget about Drew and his seizure service dog. You can find his GoFundMe pinned to the top of my Twitter. If you got a dollar or two dollars, anything you got would be greatly appreciated. If you're new here, Drew is a uh, Packer fan and a listener to the show. He has a pretty severe form of epilepsy and is looking to get a seizure service dog, and we're trying to help him get there. So again, you can find that pinned to the top of my Twitter. Any help would be greatly appreciated. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Question from GTB5289-5442. I hope that's not your social security number. <laughs> I got jokes. Why does a good chunk of, of best reporters, also who call themselves fans, hate on Rodgers so much? So, I mean, if, if we're just going to be honest, and that's what we do here. I know a lot of people don't like when I take it there, but if we're just being honest, it's become sort of a personal battle. Rodgers was much more beloved by the media in general, and especially Green Bay Packers media, when he was just a Packers quarterback, he mostly kept to himself, and was just generally respectful of the media. He has recently become sort of an anti-media figure, and that's not going to make the media happy. And so there is, as much as they would never admit it, an anti-Rogers bias among the media, because it's become sort of this personal battle. You take shots at me, I'll take shots at you. So if there's an opportunity to take kind of a negative swing at him, they're going to. And I say they generally. You can interchange this guy, that guy. Some people probably don't do this. Some do it more than others. Whatever. But there's clearly not a lot of love there. There's not going to be any uh, going out of their way to defend him. And there's probably going to be a lot more critical this, that, or the other. And of course, there's, there is just a, I mean, that's, that's enough by itself. Being sort of an anti-media figure is not going to endear you to the media. But of course, it's become entirely political also. First of all, he came out not even as anti-vax, which isn't true. He's not anti-vax. He just didn't take the vaccine, which is a cardinal sin among the majority of the media. Just call it what it is. You didn't play by the rules that I expect you to. Therefore, you are horrible. And then to make matters worse, he's kind of got a little bit of a right-wingy kind of feel to him these days. And of course, among the media, again, just calling it what it is, you look at any form of media, it's like 1% right-leaning. And I don't even know who that 1% is. I'm just assuming somebody out there somewhere is. So back when Aaron Rodgers was, you know, defending guys like Colin Kaepernick for kneeling and calling out America for being hypocritical, he was much more beloved by the media when he starts making fun of the president, who is a Democrat, and endearing himself to guys like Joe Rogan, who is another one that was not too long ago very left-leaning, that is now leaning more right, and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's, whether you want it to be or not, it is very political. And whether they'll admit it or not, it's entirely political. And, and sort of the anti-media thing is, is a double whammy, because it's, number one, political, because it reminds them of the anti-media right, guys like Donald Trump, which of course is just the worst human being on planet Earth. It's not me saying it, I'm talking about them. But also, they are the media. So you, you are attacking me also, which again, I wouldn't like that either. I mean, if somebody came directly at me, am I going to be nice to him? Probably not. So I, I, I get it. 
But let's, again, I just, I don't like the the games. I don't like dancing around the issue and like, oh, you know, I mean, it's just, I don't think that BS. Can we just be adults and be honest about this? Aaron Rodgers is a pretty moderate, but maybe these days leaning slightly right. And that is just completely unacceptable to many people. And the fact that he's made anti-media comments, which by the way, he's not starting it. He's just responding to a lot of people that are saying things he doesn't like. I mean, look at uh, Javon Kinlaw recently. He was anti-media. Did you guys catch that? The whole Jack Cone thing or whatever? I mean, he went out and like physically, I'm not going to say assaulted, but apparently like bumped into the guy because he has a YouTube channel and was like, I don't know, being critical of players, something that all of us do. I've certainly done many times, but he has field access and he was out there and Javon Kinlaw went up and bumped into him. And then went on his show because, I mean, obviously, if you're Jack Cohn, you have a YouTube channel, you're trying to show everybody you're a big shot. If somebody like Javon Kinlaw is like, hey, I want to come on your show, you're like, heck yeah, dude. And he just ripped him apart, said you're a coward and you look scared when I walked up to you and said a couple other comments I can't make. I mean, the the point is, that was also anti-media. And guess how Jack Cohn responded? He sent out a a YouTube video after the fact just ripping Javon Kinlaw. And I promise you, he's never going to be nice to Javon Kinlaw ever. It's the same with, um, the heck is that guy's name? I can never remember anybody's name. Colin Coward and uh, Baker Mayfield. They got into a little spat on his show. Baker kind of made him look stupid. He has been trashing Baker Mayfield on like a weekly basis ever since. He will never stop. Because he said something about Baker Baker went on his show, called him out, made him look stupid, and that's it. Ne- I mean, there, there is an element of ego in there also where, to be completely honest, with a lot of these media guys, they can dish it, but they can't take it. All day long, All and if, if I lump myself in there, what am I doing? I'm critical of people all the time. Can I take it? I have no idea. I've never had a, a player clap back at me. We'll find out if and when it happens, how I respond to it. I don't know. But a lot of these guys are very sensitive about it. They don't like it. So, I mean, Rodgers has positioned himself. I mean, he's just gotten to a point in his life, and a lot of players have. It's not just Rodgers. A lot of players have decided, I have a voice and I'm going to say whatever I feel. And unfortunately, not every player feels the way that the media feels that every single human being should feel. And so there's going to be a couple people that have different opinions, and that's just the reality of the world, I guess. I know it's hard for some people to believe that people actually believe things. I don't know. I think some of us really want to believe that... um, All the worst people are these creatures that live out in the mountains somewhere, and you never actually see them. There's a lot of them, but I never see them. And they they are all these creatures that uh, I've never actually interacted with, but I I hate them, and they're out there somewhere. And you find out it's actually someone that's very prominent and right in your face, and they're, they're all over, and you meet them at the grocery store, and they're nice to you. You've shaken their hands before. It's just hard for people to comprehend that, I guess. I don't know. Happens all the time with football players. Remember when they found out, like, Nick Bosa supported Trump. And it was like the biggest scandal in history. Like, (laughs) didn't half the country support the guy? It's just, it's just weird to me that it's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. Like, how can you not believe it? There's like a thousand people in the NFL. You really think they're all like, think the exact same way as you? I don't know. Point is, they're they're very sensitive. And Rodgers has just come out and been honest about things and people don't like it and they're not going to treat him very fairly. But I think you knew that. You just wanted me to say it. (laughs) which is fine because I can't not just say what is. And here's what I know. Whether people like me saying it or not, nobody's going to disagree with me because that would be stupid. You know full well that's exactly what it is. Matt Larson of Packers Without Borders, the greatest podcast on earth, says, 
Explain how the Bears suck and please show your work. Now this is this is dangerous because you get me started on the Bears and I'm I'm not going to be able to do anything else. This is it. So maybe what I could do is point you to almost any episode I've done ever. <laughs> or perhaps maybe I can do a 15-part series at some point. Part 1 we'll just start with um the history, you know, and that'll be like, you know, part 1A history and then history will be like the first three parts. Which by the way, I was thinking about this the other day. Bears fans love to throw in our face. You've only you've had all these blah, 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 for 30 years and you've only won two Super Bowls. Which again, for the billionth time, I've done the math. If you look at Hall of Fame quarterbacks over 30 years, the expected Super Bowl totals is is roughly three. We're at two. It's not that crazy. I mean, they make it seem like we should have won five, six, or seven. That's not correct. It's just not. But let's talk about that, shall we? Because I have a feeling if you were to ask Bears fans, just generally, list off some of the most historic NFL franchises. They're going to rush to the front of the line and raise their hands and go, ooh, 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 right here, one of the oldest teams in NFL history. History starts in Chicago. Oh, really? How many years have you been in the NFL? I'm curious. Oh, we've been here. It's been a hundred seasons. A hundred. A hundred. Wow. What do you got to show for a hundred seasons? And this is where it gets tricky because if they go all the way back to the beginning, which I'm sure they would, they would point out that they have nine championships. The problem with that is if we're going all the way back to the beginning where you guys started your franchise a year earlier than the Packers did, we have 13. Man, it's got to be a thorn in your side to have the Packers there, doesn't it? Because if you look at expectations, right, kind of like everyone does with the Packers, what what is the expectation of 30 years of, of Hall of Fame quarterback play? What is the expect, expectation of being a franchise for 100 years? Well, I mean, we've got 13. You would expect at least 10. I guess they're close. They have nine. But the the problem for the Bears now is they did a real good job of cleaning up back when there were no teams. You know, 1921, 1932, 1933, 1940, 1941, 43, 46. Um, Starting in the 1960s, though, they've won two times. 63 NFL championship and 85 when they won their one Super Bowl. Packers have won in 61, 62, 65, 66, 67, 96, and 2010. And so their franchise's ability to win now that there's a bunch of teams seems quite low. And I'm sure I've said this before, but by the way, with, with the whole, well, you have an MVP quarterback thing, that's part of the equation. Your job is to win Super Bowls. Part of the equation to win Super Bowls is to find competent quarterbacks. Your franchise is probably the worst in NFL history at finding quarterbacks. I don't think there's any, and you've been in this league for a hundred years. The Houston Texans have been in the league for like five minutes and they've had Deshaun Watson. I mean, just off the top of my head, Deshaun Watson. I mean, you can go back to the Oilers um, and you got Moon, but I mean, really what a sad franchise and and everything that you've, you've got, everything that you're proud of, everything that you can lay claim to, it either has been or will be overtaken by the Green Bay Packers. Most wins by a franchise is a something you've held for a very long time. 783 wins. The Packers have 782. 2022 is the year that you lose that forever. Most points, you're second to the Packers. I mean, all the cumulative stats. And it's really not even, you have 27,000 stats in 100 years. We have 29,000. So you can play that game all you want. We'll look at how much time you've had with good quarterbacks and you haven't capitalized on it. You guys have had 100 freaking years. What have you done with 100 years? 
Well, we haven't had any good quarterbacks. Right, because you suck. Whose fault is that? That's like making fun of a guy because he has a master's degree and only makes $100,000. Dude, if I had a master's degree, I'd be making two fifty. Dude, you make $50,000 a year and you didn't graduate high school. Why don't you shut up? Well, yeah, I didn't graduate high school, but if I had, and if I had a master's degree, I'd make more money. Whose fault is it you didn't graduate high school? I'm just saying, I would do better. You, you wouldn't, because you didn't. <laughs> you, you had the opportunity to do it, and you didn't. You could have graduated high school, you could have gone to college, you could have continued your education, and you could have gone out and gotten a great job making $250,000 a year, but you didn't. You didn't even graduate high school, so you don't get to talk to me about how much money somebody with a master's degree should make. That's the Bears. That's Bears fans all day long. They're, they're, these, they're people with GEDs making fun of people with master's degrees because they don't do enough with their degree. And anytime Packers fans start talking, here comes the GED Bears fans. No offense to people with GEDs, I'm just saying. Well, I mean, if you got a GED and you make fun of people with master's degrees, then I guess this is, this is, yeah, it's going to sting, and that's, that's how it goes. Here they come, talking about, yeah, well, if I had that, I would have done better. <laughs> you didn't. You had every opportunity that the Packers had. Every single opportunity was there for you. I'm sorry, were you incapable of trading for Brett Favre? Was that not an option? I guess not. You had Jim Harbaugh, greatest quarterback in the history of the universe. There's no way you could have. Why would you have? And in 2005, with the fifth overall pick, I mean, you're not going to take green. You're not going to take a Hall of Fame quarterback like Aaron Rodgers when a running back like Cedric Benson is available at pick four. You freaking poverty franchise morons! Good lord, you drafted running back Cedric. Benson at pick four <laughs> with Aaron Rodgers right there. But I mean, you didn't, I guess you didn't need a quarterback because Kyle Orton and Rex Grossman were your quarterbacks in 2005. The year before, Craig Krenzel, Chad Hutchinson, Jonathan Quinn, and Rex Grossman were your quarterback. And then you brought in Kyle Orton to save the day in 2005, um, who was gone after a year and it was back to Rex Grossman. You freaking morons. You absolute stupid idiots. You know, the entire history of... Um, every time you look back at the history of, of Aaron Rodgers, the, the story always goes back to the Green Bay Packers draft and how did they end up with him? How did he fall? And it was the Packers looking at it going, what if everybody's too stupid to take Aaron Rodgers? That's it. That's the whole thing, right? They had this whole big plan. Aaron Rodgers wasn't even a thought. And somebody looked at it and said, you know... What if everybody's an idiot and they don't take him? There's a chance that he could slip. What do we do? And so they started grinding a bunch of tape. They're like, yeah, this guy's freaking amazing. On the off chance that this kid actually falls, we should draft him. Sure enough, thanks to the Chicago Bears drafting Cedric Benson. <laughs> oh, you guys suck so bad. And again, you, you're going to laugh at us? For drafting Aaron Rodgers and only winning one Super Bowl and going to the playoffs every year and smashing the Bears over and over and over, and you think it hurts my feelings? You should have had five Super Bowls. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you for that. That's like somebody trying to make fun of you, and you're like, you know what? As attractive as you are, you should be a freaking supermodel, and what are you doing? You're a banker. <sighs> you should be You should be in magazines you stupid, attractive person with your beautiful hair and your gorgeous eyes. I hate you. Look at you in your suit. 
making all that money like a loser. You should be on a beach. You should be posing on a beach. This is this is all I hear when Bears fans start making fun of the fact that we've had great quarterbacks and um, we lose in the playoffs every year. Yeah, that's right. We go to the playoffs every year because we smash the crap out of the Vikings and the Bears and the Lions and pretty much everybody else. And then we just sail into the playoffs every single year. And yeah, we don't win a Super Bowl, but guess what? Great year every year for 30, my entire life has been nothing but watching the Packers smash the crap out of everybody. I don't expect Super Bowls every year. I don't expect Super Bowls at all. Nobody should expect a Super Bowl. I don't. I think that would be silly. But man, I sure love watching the Packers play some good football, and I get to see it every year. And I, 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 I do think we owe a debt of gratitude to the Chicago Bears for deciding that in a year in which <laughs> Kyle Orton was going to be their quarterback, they decided Aaron Rodgers, not the right play, Cedric Benson is our guy. In fact, you guys draft early all the time. All the time. I'm just curious. Matt, you uh, you did it, man. You, you got me started on the Bears, and it's not going to end. This is just part one. <laughs> I seriously, I told myself when I read that question, I was like, make a joke about how you're going to do the rest of the show talking about the Bears and then get off it. That didn't happen. It never happens. I mean, I'm just curious about the history, though, of, of the Bears taking um, bad quarterbacks when they maybe could have taken better quarterbacks or, or just when they took something else like Cedric Benson. But, I mean, we could start with this last pick. Maybe Justin's going to be great. Maybe. I don't know. But I know who the best quarterback was last year, and it was Mac Jones, and he got taken one, two, three, four spots after Justin Fields got taken. You know what else? is interesting that nobody wants to talk about because obviously every move the Bears make is great, right? When they traded for Khalil Mack, that was a franchise changer. That was one of the greatest things anybody's ever done. They didn't get a pick in 2020, though. They traded up for Justin Fields because they needed a quarterback. In 2020, they had the opportunity to do the same thing, couldn't they have? I wonder if they would have traded up for a quarterback in 2020, who that would have been. Who was the quarterback taken prior to the Bears' pick? Maybe he wouldn't have fallen far enough. I don't know, but I'm just thinking out loud here. If, if they had to trade up, who was the next quarterback available prior to their pick? Oh, it was Justin Herbert. If they traded up for a quarterback, it would have been Justin. Oh, I don't know if that's who they would have picked. They probably would have picked somebody stupid. I'm just saying that was the quarterback that went before their pick. Also, a couple of picks after their pick was Justin Jefferson. One or two picks before their pick was CeeDee Lamb. Just something to think about. When you don't have first-round picks, you miss out on those kinds of opportunities. That's all I'm saying. But, you know, it probably wouldn't have been anything. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's nothing. Of course, there's 2017, that fateful year. You guys took Mitchell Trubisky. Pat Mahomes went several picks later. After that was Deshaun Watson. Now, Watson's had some issues. However, if Watson was on your team, do you remember what happened in 2018? How good you guys were? How close you were? Do you imagine if Watson was your quarterback? Even if he's not on your team anymore, you'd probably get a Super Bowl out of that. I mean, it, I'm just saying. It's more valuable than trading up for Mitch Trubisky. You could have stayed where you were, kept all that draft capital, drafted Deshaun Watson, won a Super Bowl in 2018, and then, you know, that's it. Who cares about the rest, right? Or, of course, you could have just got Pat Mahomes, same thing, win the Super Bowl, and you're still dominant to this day. That whole win the North thing and how you guys keep talking about that stupidity might have even been true in that case. But you drafted... Mitch Trubisky. But it's my fault that the Packers have 30 years of Hall of Fame play and nothing to show for it, which doesn't even make sense because that's not true. Not, I mean, 
from a championship standpoint, that's not true. We got two Super Bowls, but nothing at all is wildly incorrect. Uh, let's see, 2008, uh, not the greatest quarterback in the world, but certainly serviceable. You wouldn't have had to have been doing all these dumb dances. Um, the Bears at pick 14 selected Chris Williams. Joe Flacco was on the board. Joe Flacco probably would have been your franchise's best quarterback ever. Again, 2005, the funniest thing ever, Cedric Benson. 2003, you drafted Rex Grossman. Not saying there was necessarily a better option, but you did draft Rex Grossman, which again is probably that's the worst part about that. That's the, that's the reason right there that you didn't draft Aaron Rodgers, I'm guessing. And Rex Grossman didn't even play in 2006. At, by the time Aaron Rodgers passed you up and you took Cedric Benson, by 2006, the very next year, like, this Rex Grossman guy sucks. Put somebody else in. Put, put in Orton or whatever. Maybe he's the other way around. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's hilarious either way. 1999, the Bears drafted Cade McNown at pick 12. Again, was there a better option? No, but it's still funny. 1998's got to sting a little bit. Um, not because you necessarily had a chance, but you guys were picking fifth. That was the year Peyton Manning went number one. If you guys could have just sucked a little bit more in 97, man. Instead, ended up with, again, running back Curtis Ennis. You guys love taking running backs in the top five. I don't know why. Oh, I, and actually, I do. It's because you're stupid. I mean, you can go back to uh, 1983. Now, granted, you guys won the Super Bowl in 86 anyways. But um, very similar situation, too, with that defense. Gee, you could have won a couple more Super Bowl. How could you have done it, though, I wonder? Well, you couldn't have gotten John Elway in 1983 because he went number one overall, and we selected in 1983, and got uh, Jimbo Covert, who was a very good football player. So there you go. Sew buttons on your underwear. Or, or hear me out, maybe you could have drafted Jim Kelly. Just saying. Or, hear me out, maybe you could have drafted Dan Marino. Both of those guys, all three, John Elway, Jim Kelly, Dan Marino, went in 1983. Two of those guys were drafted after you. After you picked. Again, Jimbo Covert, it's a, you know, solid pick. He's in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, great. But I'm just saying, you missed out on two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Again, you missed out on Marino. You missed out on Kelly. You missed out on Mahomes. You missed out on Rodgers. You just keep missing. And you drafted who? Rex Grossman? Jim Harbaugh? I mean, you guys suck at this. So, yeah, keep talking about, you know, you guys only won two Super Bowls and go to the playoffs every year and dominate the division every year. Wow, hang a banner. I don't need to hang a banner. We got plenty of banners. We don't have any more space for banners. I don't care about banners. All I know is that every single year I get to sit down and watch my team win. And again, any Bears fan who pretends that the Super Bowl is the only thing that matters, ask them if they celebrate regular season wins. They know they're lying. That's the thing. They're one argument is about the Super Bowl is all that matters. That's what everybody's chasing, but they know that they're lying. Because if the Bears beat the Packers this year, they're going to celebrate. Why? What does it matter? What does it matter? You're not celebrating because you're one step closer to a Super Bowl. You know you're not going to win a Super Bowl. Why are you celebrating? Because anyone that pretends that watching football is just about waiting to see if we're going to win a Super Bowl is lying. We love football because we love watching football. Everybody, yesterday, everybody's posting 100 days till football. Who cares about 100 days till football? The Super Bowl isn't in 100 days. Super Bowl's not even till freaking February. We got months and months and months to the Super Bowl. Why is everyone freaking out about the regular season games? 
Nobody cares about the regular season. Nobody cares about regular season wins. Why, why, why is everyone stressed out? You remember how anxious you get like on Sunday morning? Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> why? Why? What are you freaking out about? It's one game. Week one means nothing. I mean, one win is, is, brings you so marginally close to the Super Bowl and it doesn't tell you if you're going to win the Super Bowl. Why does everybody freak out about week one? Because it's not about the Super Bowl. We don't watch football because of the Super Bowl. We enjoy regular season football. We enjoy playoff football. We enjoy everything that we get. And the Packers just happen to get more. And on a day-to-day, game-to-game basis, Packer fans have had nothing but great experiences. Wins after wins after wins. And I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. I wouldn't trade what I've had for the Patriots. In a million years, I wouldn't trade it. Do you know how much joy I got in the 90s as a kid watching the Packers growing up? You think I would trade that? Because of championships, which by the way, I doubt Patriots fans even started appreciating it after a while because you win it so often, it becomes an expectation. You think I'm just going to give away the 90s with Brett Favre and that dominant era so that I can get, what, six Super Bowls? I don't care. I really don't. I want to be able to sit down with my kids, with my son, and wear a Packers jersey and celebrate with him and jump up and down for touchdowns and high five after a great win. That's what's special about football. And yeah, it's a cherry on top to win a Super Bowl. That is the ultimate expression of joy. There is no win that's more exciting than that. But that's not what football is. That's not, that's not why we all sit down, Bears fans, Packer fans, Lions fans, Vikings fans, Patriots fans, Chiefs fans. We don't sit down because of a Super Bowl. We don't buy jerseys and, and sit down on Sunday because of the Super Bowl. That's a lie. That's propagated by teams that suck, that want to make themselves on the same level as every other championship team because, well, I've won only one less Super Bowl than you in the last 10 years. Or I guess at this point, 10 years, the Packers haven't won a Super Bowl. So we're the same. Bears and Packers are the exact same because they've won the same amount of Super Bowls. That's garbage. And don't get roped into that stupidity. When Packer fans start making that argument, you're making dumb arguments on behalf of Bears fans who have nothing else to, 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 to lean on. Again, going back to the other example, that's like somebody making 50000 and somebody making 100000 and saying, hey, we're both the same because neither of us are millionaires. No, sorry, we're not exactly the same. I make twice the amount of money as you. It's not the same thing. Well, it's the same thing. I, are you a millionaire? I don't think so. And if you're not making a million in this economy, you're basically poor. And so you're poor and I'm poor and we're both poor. No, I'm not. I'm not poor. I make, I make a decent enough, I mean, I'm not rich, but I can pay my bills and I take a vacation once a year and a little strapped here and there. And, you know, gas prices are hurting me. Like, it, you know, it doesn't hurt a millionaire, but it hurts me and all that. And, but I promise you, we are not the same, bud. No, we're the same. You're not, you're not a millionaire. In this example, Packers, Bears, it's more like, I don't know, 75,000 and 750,000. Well, you're not a millionaire. <laughs> okay, bud. Okay, bud. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. It is. And I, again, I didn't intend to do this, but I can't, I can't help it. It's too much fun. Should do this with the Vikings too. I wonder how many they've missed out on. And the Lions, ugh, just glorious. Anyways, I should probably get out of here though. Um, that was fun. You folks have yourselves a wonderful day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>